Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org. Well, good morning, Faith. How are you guys doing today? It's good to be here in the house with you, and uh, it's good to have Brian Vinoy up on the platform, uh, just emceeing our service this morning. He is our future campus pastor at our Ridgeville campus, so let's give it up. That's exciting news. Looking forward to uh, what God will have in store up in that area. Uh, we're spreading like wildfire, it seems like, through the low country. Our churches and stuff just growing and, and developing so fast, uh, just like the area here in the low country, that's for sure. Um, I'm honored every time I get a chance to share with you guys and be up here on the platform. Uh, Pastor Larry's out of town. Uh, him and Jeannie are getting some much-needed rest. They'll be back uh, next week. And uh, so anytime I get a chance to share, I'm really excited to do that. Um, today is Pentecost Sunday. I don't know some of you guys know what that is, and some of you are like, I have no clue what that means. But hey, you're going to get an understanding of what Pentecost is about today. We are in our, our series full, and um, I, just, I wanted to give a shout out. I just feel like we should be a church that gives uh, honor where honor is due. I think we got a great uh, media department that puts together some awesome little videos and stuff, some transitions there, and then our worship team. Let's give it up to them this morning. There's just a lot of people that work hard behind the scenes to make make things happen, and I remember watching that, uh, that little clip, the video, a few weeks ago, and uh, it made me laugh, because I feel that way. Their battery gets drained sometimes. Um, it doesn't feel as, as drained as it used to be at 2 o'clock in the morning when I'm waking up with a kid, so that's good. But, um, but anyway, so we're in this series, and we've talked the last couple weeks uh, about a lot of different things, but it all centers down on the Holy Spirit and who the Holy Spirit is, um, who He is and what His role is in our life is. And in week one, just to give you a little bit of snippet, go back a little bit uh, of where we've been. Uh, in week one, we define him as the third person of God. And he's the breath of God. He's like a, he's like a strong breeze. Uh, Pastor said he's like a wind to our sails. And, and he teaches us. He corrects us. He counsels. He feels. And so I'm, I'm thankful that we have that, that we have the Holy Spirit in our life. He's part of the Holy Trinity uh, he plays a major role in our lives. God the Father loves us. Aren't we thankful for that? Jesus saves us. Amen. Thankful for the cross and the resurrection. And then God the Holy Spirit, his role is to have an intimate relationship with us. And so then last week we went into and we looked into this, this tension inside of us, this battle between the flesh, our sinful nature, and the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. And it's funny as I'm saying that, because last time I talked to you guys up here, I was doing Star Wars with you, and we were talking about that very same thing, that battle that goes on with inside of us, that tension we feel between knowing, doing what we know we should do, but then sometimes messing up and doing the things we shouldn't do. And so we talked about that, and simply the challenge is this, guys, are you allowing the Holy Spirit to lead your life, lead you in the direction that he wants you to go, or are you allowing your flesh, that sinful nature, to send you in the wrong direction. That's something only you can answer. What voice are you listening to? Because the Holy Spirit wants to give us life and lead us to a full life. So what the whole series has been about so far. But the enemy wants to destroy your life and leave you burnt out and empty. So I, I definitely recommend, if you haven't got a chance to go through uh, those two weeks, uh, go back and pull those up online or our podcast. But as we transition into this week, 
Uh, you can turn to Acts 19. That's where we're going to start today. And this week we're going to look at the supernatural side of the Holy Spirit and how that relates to him working in our life. Acts 19, starting in verse 1. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Do you, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, and that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for just bringing us in here today, Lord. And we just uh, we want to be open. We want to be receptive to your Holy Spirit and what you want to do in and through us. Give me the words to speak, God, and I just pray, Lord, that we leave out of here changed, different from the moment we walk through these doors today, and giving all of our burdens and all our troubles to, do, to you and knowing that you're going to lead us forward to a full life. In Jesus' name, amen? All right, so this morning, we are going to discuss the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and so... Maybe you're like the disciples in this passage here, and you've never heard of the baptism. You're, you're completely clueless. That's okay. We, I'm sure we got some people that are at that place. Uh, but maybe it's been presented to you or packaged in a, a, a strange way or a weird way. I'm just going to be transparent with you today. I've seen some crazy stuff in the name of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, okay? Um, but I just want you to understand this morning that... that Maybe you've heard it, but it, it, you know, as I say baptism, you kind of squirm in your seat a little bit. I don't know. But I don't know where you land on this. But knowing that God has great things for us, and this baptism is part of that, and regardless of the stories you may have heard or things you may have seen, I want to encourage you today to not be afraid of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So just, just breathe in and breathe out and relax, okay? Because the Holy Spirit is a good thing. Sometimes we think he's, as we talked about the last few weeks, he's kind of spooky or is he a ghost or no. The Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. It's part of God and it's okay. And so I want you to just try to clear your mind of any perceptions or anything in the past because I want to unpeel and we're going to really go through some scripture today to give you guys, it's going to be kind of a teaching, preaching together today. I'm going to really get into some scripture and unpack this for you guys and I think it's going to show you that we have a Holy Spirit that's good, that's loving, and that's orderly. So I want to first explain what the baptism is to you guys. The word itself simply means to be immersed in. To be immersed in. You can write that down, immerse or immersion. Uh, you're going to hear that word a lot today. And when it comes to our own spiritual journey in Christ, there's actually three baptisms that we're going to talk about. So if you're taking notes, jot this down or on the back of your... Uh, your uh, little pamphlet today, we have that. The first one is the baptism into the body. The baptism into the body. And this has everything to do with salvation, okay? As we've discussed so far, when we place our faith in Christ and, welcome, and, and we're born again, the Holy Spirit, this is what it happens. It comes and lives on the inside of us, okay? It, 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 it's, and the moment we're born again, this experience takes place Salvation is ours. We are sons and daughters of God. It's like we're spiritual orphans before Christ. 
But then we're adopted into the family of God. We're adopted into the body. We are heirs to Christ, the heirs to the throne. I mean, it kind of blows your mind when you think of it that way, but we are his sons and we are his daughters. We are his children. That's something to be thankful about today, that we have that. And so we have been adopted in. And I want to clear up any confusion there may be that salvation is not to be confused with religion. There's a, there's a big difference there, okay, because it doesn't come down to just just because we walked into a church building that we're saved, or that we raised our hands during worship. That doesn't mean that we're saved. Those are good things, but those are practices, okay? Salvation comes when we give our lives to Jesus, and we are immersed, ourselves are immersed with the Holy Spirit into a relationship with him. We are baptized into this relationship. It's not a part-time thing where we, we do it on a Sunday morning or we do it maybe once or twice a month. This is a relationship that should be ongoing daily in our life, that we desire those things. Salvation's meant to bring vibrance, passion, a passionate relationship with God. Almost a little bit of an infatuation is okay with God and what he is and who he is because he's amazing. I mean, think back to those rela- the relationship you had with your spouse. You better be sitting there, guys, going, uh-huh. I remember those days when I was infatuated with my honey, you know? Uh, you know, and the same thing, girls with, with a guy, but th- that relationship has to be ongoing. We can't just do it once a week, even married life, or it's not going to, it's going to be on CPR, it's going to be CPR pretty soon, you're going to have to get the, the shock out and shock you back in, into the system. Be like, okay, here I am. Um, we got to continue that constantly, that relationship. And so when we give our lives to Christ, we're baptized, we are immersed into a relationship with him. Check out 1 Corinthians 12, it says this in verse 13. For we were all baptized, again, there's the word, immersed together by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And then in Galatians three twenty six, it says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all, for all of you who were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. Salvation is about a relationship. We're going all in for him, and we have this Holy Spirit within us. And I'm saying all that just to bring some clarity because you hear it sometimes in in other denominations or just outside the church walls in general. Some people try to say that unless you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you don't have the Holy Spirit in you. That's not true. The moment you gave your life to Christ and went through that salvation experience, the Holy Spirit took up residence inside of you. Okay? Think back to where you were before Christ. Now, some of you, you don't have to go far. Some of you may have to go way far. I can't believe it's been 23 years now since I gave my life to Christ. Um, But I still remember those days, and I'll tell you how it became real evident for me, is that I I remember... um, I go all the way back to those days, my freshman year of college, and I'll be honest, every weekend I had an agenda, and it was just to go out and get drunk and get high. That was it. Every weekend I would save up what little money I had working at Lowe's Hardware, which is not a lot of money, and then blow it down at the college and just completely immerse myself in craziness, basically. And, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm going through those things, and every time I took a drink, every time I smoked a joint, I never ever thought there was anything wrong with it. Never. I, no, no one, I, I never had anything say, shouldn't do this. No, I was just like, woo, I was going crazy. But what happened is, is that I'll never forget the Sunday morning I came to Christ at an altar. 
And even when I walked away from that, I'm still thinking, is this still real? You know, can I be honest with you? I mean, some of you maybe walked through that salvation experience in the beginning. You're like, I think something changed. I feel different, but I just don't know. But I'll tell you where the evidence of it came. Six days later, I'm, I'm getting ready to go through the same spill I do every Friday night and Saturday night. And I'm at a party, and I got my red Solo cup in hand. It doesn't have Coke. <laughs> they had something with Coke in it, but we'll leave it at that. And so I'm sitting there getting ready to take a drink of that. And something on the inside of me said, no, don't do this. I'm being honest, I never in my life before that moment had ever had anything inside of me say, don't do this, no. And so I set that cup down and I walked away and I left that night, that that party, and I got my car heading down the road and it clicked and I realized, wow, this is real. The Holy Spirit is real. God, Jesus is real. This is the real deal because Before, I'd never had that, and here I am now. The Holy Spirit had took up residence inside of me and was starting to transform and change my life. And that was so amazing to me. It was just one of those aha moments to me where I realized my spirit had been touched by the Holy Spirit of God, and I was not the same person. And if you you can resonate on that, you should be giving it up to God today that you are set free, that the spiritual radar came on, so to speak, and you realize the difference between right and wrong, what's good for you and what's not, because it's that sudden awareness of the battle between the flesh and the spirit that we've talked about. It's, it's conviction. I'm thankful for conviction. <laughs> the Holy Spirit wanting to protect us from danger and wanting to help us become more like Christ. So yes, you've, you've placed your faith in Christ. The Holy Spirit is in you, and he starts working on you And it's just that he begins that process of purifying our heart. And that process is continuing, guys. And the more we just make room in our lives for him through the reading of the word and just praying and worshiping, coming to church, all those things are so good for us because it it, it helps to become more sensitive to his spirit, you know, as we listen into him and his leading. So I hope that helps you to understand that we have a baptism into the body. We also, secondly, we have, there's a baptism in the water, a baptism in the water. And I don't know the last time we've done a, a whole sermon on, um, you know, uh, water baptism. But I want to give you a little piece of this today that water baptism is a separate experience from your salvation experience. It's something that we do to signify that we are followers of Christ. It is a work on our part. We are doing something. Okay? But it doesn't have the power to save us. Water baptism cannot save us. If it did, then salvation would be based on our own works and there'd be no need for the cross. But it isn't that. Water baptism is important and something we should do as followers of Christ. But if you, if you place your faith in Christ today and the Holy Spirit comes inside of you and you are saved, let's, I mean, let's just be honest. If you, if you die this evening and you're standing before God and you haven't been water baptized, you're not gonna get up there and Jesus is like, well, John, you know, hey, you got saved this morning, that's awesome, or last week, but... You haven't been water baptized yet, so I can't let you in. Of course that's not going to happen. I mean, that'd be crazy, okay? That's not going to be the situation. But understand that water baptism doesn't save us, but it's a very important step in our walk with Christ. Jesus himself was water baptized. You can see this through Scripture. In the Great Commission, he told his disciples, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so if, you've been, if you haven't been water baptized, I encourage you to do this. It's such an amazing moment. It makes such an impact on the people around you. 
I love when we were in here on Sunday mornings and the worship band's playing and people are getting dunked left and right. But, you know, it's just, it's just a moment of, of encouragement. And it also, it just brings the energy up. I mean, it's just exciting to see that lives are transformed and they're making that outward declaration of what has taken place inside. Because it symbolizes that old man, that old self going down into the water and coming back up renewed, refreshed, a new creature, a new person. And you're making that public statement of an interchange. I kind of look at it a little bit like this. If you're in the room here and you're married, you, could, you got a wedding band on you right now, okay? And uh, I'm on my second one. My first one fell apart a few years ago. I did not lose it, so, but I almost lost this one about a month ago. I had that dirty look. So anyway, um, but the wedding band on my finger, it, 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 what it is, it, it, it's Looking at this, it's not, I'm not, this doesn't make me married, okay? What it is, is it's an outward symbol of an inward covenant that I've made with my wife. And the thing is, is that, you know, it symbolizes to the outside world, I'm married. Every guy in here should be like, come on, I'm married, I'm taken. (laughs) All right? And I'm okay with that. I like that because I married a beauty. And it lets people know that, hey, I've made an inward decision, a commitment, a covenant with my wife that I am married to her. And it's that outward, that public proclamation of what has taken place between the two of us. Um, Matthew 10, Jesus said simply this. If you don't acknowledge me in the front of men, what am I gonna do? I won't acknowledge you before my father. Now, those are are harsh words. But he's saying, don't be ashamed of this. Let the world know. Let everyone know what has happened to you. Be a light in darkness. It's very easy for us to be a light in the light, but being a light in darkness, even outside of these doors, can be a challenge to us. But let it shine bright for the world to see. And I want you to know that going public with your faith is so important. And we got an opportunity next week on June 11th service next Sunday morning. We are going to have our next water baptism. If you have not taken water baptism, been a part of this, we want you, we want to encourage you to be a part of this next weekend. Um, we're going to do something a little different to end today. We're going to have a sign-up area right here. If you've never went through that uh, water baptism experience, our altar workers will sign you up right here on the spot, walk you through some, some information, and get you ready for next week when we do that. But there is more behind salvation and that public declaration of, in water. Luke twenty four forty nine. He says, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with the power from on high. And so... They've received the Holy Spirit and that he lives inside of them, right? But they have not yet been baptized, immersed in the power of the Holy Spirit. So another, another angle you can see of this, you turn over to Acts 1, and I know I'm going all over the place with you, but Acts 1-4 says, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized immediately, immersed with the Holy Spirit. Lastly, it's a baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's the third baptism, a baptism in the Holy Spirit. Jesus says to his disciples right here to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father because he's going to baptize them, immerse them in the Holy Spirit. Now, I know this morning you're probably sitting here going, what is, what is this all about? This stool sitting over here. Um, but I want you to think about this. This glass right here, this is us before Christ, okay? 
This, this is us. And what happens a lot of times to people is that we will try to fill this with what the world offers. And it's an artificial substitute for the real thing. You will get full. You'll get full of something, but it won't be good. It will stink pretty bad, okay? And what will happen eventually, it will dry up. It'll burn you out. It'll leave you with an artificial substitute of the real thing. The world always tries to offer something to fill us up. We're going to fill ourselves up with something. But God wants us to fill ourselves up with him. And so what happens at salvation is that this, this signifies the Holy Spirit, this clear, nice, tasty drinking water, which I'm going to take a drink right now. It's pretty good. All right. So what happens is, it's kind of like this. The Holy Spirit comes and dwells on the inside of you. And you're full of the Holy Spirit at salvation. You've got that. Now, that process of sanctification is continuing, but that, aren't we great, again, for that conviction? We're blessed that we have that in our life. And so that's it. The Holy Spirit's living inside. But the baptism is just a little bit of a different situation because think if I took this glass and I dumped it into a pool or the ocean, Okay? What happens? It's going to be completely surrounded, immersed in that. There's nothing, in, there's nothing that's not going, uh, water's touching all around every area of this, top, bottom, and surrounding it completely. It almost gets lost in it. I mean, you, it'd be hard to find. And so it's kind of the same way with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When you're baptized, immersed in the Holy Spirit, there's no way our lives cannot be impacted by its power in our lives. And so when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, your life dramatically changes because you'll be endued with the supernatural power to be an effective witness for Christ. And you also get a prayer language that connects you with Christ, a very supernatural prayer language. Let me take you back into Acts again, chapter 1. Go down to verse 5. It says, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. All right, now skip down to verse 8 says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the purpose of the baptism here, guys, is that so we can be endued with the power. And if you look the, up the Greek word for power, it's dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite from, an explosive power of the Holy Spirit. And for the purpose of being an effective witness for Christ. You can also look this word up, dunamis, and it refers to a moral power or an excellence of the soul. I like that. An excellence of the soul. It's an empowerment to be an effective witness for Jesus. And it's also a baptism that takes us into a more intimate relationship. It's kind of like a private connection with, with your Father in heaven as you speak in a heavenly language. So Jesus looks at his, his disciples right before he ascended into heaven and says, before you do anything else, go back, wait on this gift, and then on the day of Pentecost, that promise came. In Acts 2, go over to chapter 2, starting in verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Okay, there's that word, speaking in other tongues. So I, and here's the thing. I think the biggest thing that kind of hangs people up maybe or weirds people out sometimes is this right here. When, it, when we're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is this speaking in tongue thing, okay? You're not really alone because, hey, 
It, it's, it, even, it even weirded people out back then. They're watching this happen, people around, and they're like, what is going on with these disciples? They look drunk. They're acting crazy. They're speaking in a language that is just unheard of. But Peter, I love the, I love the stories and the examples that we get here. The Bible, the Bible is just so funny. I mean, you look back of Peter that denied Christ, that he ever knew him when he was there going to, uh, to a pilot and getting ready to get whipped and beaten and eventually taken to the cross. And Peter denied him. He spent all this time with him in those moments that you feel like Jesus would need him the most, he turned his back on him. But Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. And look what happened to Peter in this story, that he didn't have the courage to tell a servant girl that he was a follower of Christ about 50 days prior. Stood up, boldly swore his allegiance to Jesus, and proclaimed this gospel message to everyone who could hear. And in that day, in that moment, 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus right there. I mean, there was an immediate shift, immediate change inside of him. Here's these guys hunkered down in the upper room, away, hiding away, fear that they may lose their life. Jesus shows up to them that he's, he's back. He's in his resurrected body. Thomas didn't even believe it for a while. He had to touch him and make sure and see the scars himself. And then he said, wait, there's something even better coming, something even greater coming. And they wait, they have this experience, and then it, the, the church starts to explode in growth. Beyond the borders of Israel, throughout the Middle East, and throughout the world. And it all came back to this. What gave them the dunamis, the moral power and excellence to do this? It was the baptism. It was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This supernatural power was working in Peter's life. And the promise of the Father wasn't just for Peter. It's for all of us, even now. Go down to verse 37. It says, and we're still in Acts 2. It says, when the people heard this, this is the gospel message that Peter proclaimed after he was mocked, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brother, what shall we do? Verse 38, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. There's that baptism of salvation. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children for all who are far off. So I want to swing in a little, a, a different way here. Another question is raised is, is, why is it important for believers to pray in, the, in tongues? Why is that important? Well, when you pray, you pray to, you're praying directly to God from your spirit. It's like a personal prayer language where you can pray and communicate with God. Listen to 1 Corinthians 14 too. It says, for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. If you're filled, if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you know that. You're like, you can recognize that. But it does a couple of, it's, it does a few more things. It spiritually edifies us. It strengthens us. It's good for the soul. It's like a nourishment to us. You magnify and praise God with your spirit. And also, you pray spirit-directed prayers. The Holy Spirit directs your prayers according to God's will. Sometimes I feel like I don't even know what to pray. But you can pray in the Holy Spirit. You can pray with that, that tongue, and it's like you're, dis, you're connected right there. Your spirit's connected with the Holy Spirit of God. It says uh, more eloquently than what I can in Romans 8, 26, the Spirit helps in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our heart knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit 
intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Man, that's good. That's good. Sometimes we, we live in the day and times that we're in, it's like, I don't even know where to begin. And if you have that language, start there. In your own, as we, we don't use that term anymore, but I remember hearing that back when I was first saved, a prayer closet. Actually, I actually use my closet as my prayer room sometimes. I just shut off and that's, that's the only privacy I have in my house sometimes. And I'll go in there and I'll just spend time with God. And I, sometimes I just don't know what to pray and I'll pray in that tongue. I'll pray in that language. You know, because there's just so much that overwhelms us of what to pray for. But I know in those moments, those are supernatural par- prayer, prayers that are going straight to the Lord and to his throne. So as we start to wrap this up this morning, the first baptism takes us back. The first baptism saves us. The second baptism makes that declaration, that public declaration that we're followers of Christ. And then that third baptism empowers us to lead others to have that deep, holy, intimate language with God. I want to take you to a passage of Scripture in Ezekiel 47. This is where we're going to end this morning. And then we're going to open it up for some times to... Um, we purposely uh, shortened our worship set on the front end so we can have more of this on the, on the back end here this morning. Because I want to give you some understanding of what this is and what it is offered for you in your life. And so here's the thing about our relationship with Christ. We only go as deep as we want to go. God is a gentleman. You know, and we're all on different stages in our journey through life. I mean, I look back to where I was even in 2004. Seven compared to now, and I can see growth. I, I've, I've used this several times. It's kind of like the stock market. I feel like that's kind of how my spiritual life has been. It's not, but it's not here, but it's kind of like you hit some bumps and some curves and some dips in the road, but you, you're still got that upward projection. I want to become more like him. I, wanna, I want him to smile down on me. I want to be able to stand before him, and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. I just, I want to hear my father's love for me. And so I know it's already there, but I just want to please my daddy. And if you're in a relationship with Jesus and he's your savior, you're already pleasing him. But he's got even more for you. He's got more for you. And it's it's a journey like a revelation that Ezekiel received in chapter 47. This is the prophet Ezekiel and this revelation he received from the Lord Starting in verse 3, he said, As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through water that was ankle deep. Some people are content with being ankle deep. Some people are not even in the water yet. Maybe that's you today. You're not even in the water yet. But I'm going I'm to challenge you this morning to take that first step out of your own boat and trust God. Because God wants to save you. You think, well, maybe I don't need saving. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> we do need saving. We can't, if we left our own devices, it won't work. And so taking that first step, it's hard. But that first step is up to you to take the first step in. But then some of you are content with just ankle deep. You're saved. You're like, I, I'm good. I'm good to go. But if you're even ankle deep and you're there, that's a good place to to be, okay? Because you're saved. But there is more available for you. Verse four, he he measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. Man, that's some of you when you came in this morning, you were like, I I don't even know if I want to be in the water right now. This morning's been crazy. 
And you get in here, and you're in the ankle water, and you're just kind of like, but that second song hits in, and you're like, yeah, oh, God, I need you. And you're like, by the the end, you're like, yeah, woo, you know. You know, you've got to shake some things off. You've got to get in a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper. And you're there. You're, you're, you're knee deep. You've came up to your knees. It goes on to say, he measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. And I want you to notice about all these three levels here. I'm wet, but I'm still in control. Okay? As long as I have my feet on the ground, I can still go where I want to go. I don't know about you, but I like to have control. I'm a control freak sometimes in, in here, okay? Um, it's a little harder in the waist-deep water, but it's like you haven't completely let loose and allowed God to just take over and surrender to him. And so I'm going to go, do you want to go where the river goes? In verse 5, it says, he measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in a river that no one could cross. Now, prophecy went on to say here that the river was teeming with life. Life. There's some good stuff in the river. There's some good stuff in the river. But the only problem is in order to get to that place, you have to be willing to lose touch with the ground and trust God. Now, I'm not saying we lose touch with reality and go crazy. What I'm saying is it's an act of surrender. And again, I come back to say we're all in different stages in our walk with God. Some of you, though, God's knocking on your heart today to say, hey, you need to experience this. You need to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask you guys to stand up this morning. I'm going to ask our altar workers to come down and start preparing yourself. We need altar workers. If you're a group leader, I've already spoken with you as well, to come down to help us and to lead our time of prayer. We're going to go back in and worship here in a moment, guys. But my prayer this morning is simply this. First of all, that you you will touch the water today, that you'll get into the water that you at least start that journey there, that you'll come to a place to experience that first baptism of, of salvation. And it comes down to what level of trust you are with him. A lot of times we're trusting him with eternal life, but taking this step to maybe making that public declaration through water baptism or experiencing the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the only thing, the only hangup is, is the people around us. If we're trusting him with our eternal life, then who cares what everyone else around us thinks, okay? I want you to hear this quote from Watchman Nee. He says, many saints cannot distinguish inspiration from emotion. Actually, these two can be defined readily. Emotion always enters from man's outside, whereas inspiration originates with the Holy Spirit in man's spirit. Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org.